Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's do it one more time, one more time. This is the day the Lord has made. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, let's do it one last time. You got to say it with your chest. God is good. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, that was a little bit better. We can, we can get better, but I'll deal with it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, um, hey, man, like he, you know, hyped me up to be, I'm, I'm really just a chill dude. Uh, but, but I'm Will. Um, uh, I got the opportunity to, to be up here today, um, so thank you all for, for having me and allowing me to serve. Um, we've been going through, as people who've been here, uh, the book of Mark. Um, we've been struggling through it, man, uh, chugging through it for sure. Um, but before I kind of dive in and even let you guys know a little bit more about me, I want to give some shout-outs, man. Um, I want to give a big shout-out to Dirk. Uh, there he is, my Dirk, uh, who a couple weeks ago really reminded us... Um, to remain like children when it comes to the awe of God. I thought that was a powerful message, man, and, and we have to fight against apathy. Um, I want to also give a big shout-out to Chad. I ain't seen Oh, there he is. There he is, Chad. Shout-out to Chad last week, who reminded us to look up from our shoes, truly pay attention, rather than being self-focused and look up to God. Um, man, it was, it was literally a blessing to be a part of the preaching lab with you fellas. Um, man, seeing these men preach the word of God, some of the conversations we've had. Man, can't, can't really put into words. Josh, you up next week, man, so get ready. So uh, a little bit about me, man. Uh, I'm from East Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, sir. Born and raised. You know, on the playgrounds where I spend most of my days, you know, <laughs> chilling, relaxing. All cool. Even shooting some b-ball outside the school. <laughs> nah, I just mess with y'all, man. I just want to see who had a little bit of flavor and who got the joke. <laughs> just a little bit. No, but for real, uh, we're going to dive deep into this word, uh, into the text. Some of the message today, uh, it's going to be really encouraging for some. Some is going to be eye-opening. And some is just going to be interesting. But for some of you, this might get a little uncomfortable. Uh, a little convicting. Uh, I just, I just ask um, and let you know that all those, all those reactions to all of that, it's appropriate. It's okay. Um, I just have two asks out of you. One is that you listen and let the Holy Spirit discern your reaction. I'm um, in two and important as well. If there's any concerns about what's said up here. Any complaints, some just don't sit right. Feel free to shoot me an email. My direct email is uh, cole at frontier. <laughs> DSM.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. I got you. 2 a.m., the later the better. I will respond. No. <laughs> so, no, uh, for real, for real, for real. A little bit about me, though. So, I grew up in the church. Um, my biggest struggle like all my uncles and, and grandfathers were either deacons, bishop. One of my biggest struggles was do I call him Uncle Andy or Pastor Andy? Like when does this kind of change or shift? And at a very young age, though, I knew I needed salvation, right? And in order to get into, like in order to get into heaven, I viewed salvation as like a get out of hell ticket, right? And I need this ticket to get into heaven. Because when you die... You're going to be judged. You're either hitting the escalator up 
We're heading down that escalator. Needs to say, I'm trying to go up. So as a child in church, I listen, ish, uh, in church and, and realize that the Bible tells you what your ticket is supposed to look like, right? All the colors, the glow, the design, the layout, the way people will view you with it, down to the dimensions and the parchment used for this ticket, right? So I'm like, well, the Bible is giving me the blueprint. Like, it's telling me how to make this ticket, right? Bro, I can make this ticket. Like, Picasso who? Like, I'm, I'm artsy, you know? So I made my ticket, and I cherished this ticket. Man, I took it, bro, I took it everywhere. Um, I was proud of it. I, I, I carried it like it was my favorite blanket. But then, you know, over time, as I got older, I, I started putting that ticket in, in my pocket, right? Then, it, then I just left it in my room so I can go out and about my day until I lost that beautiful ticket that I made in Sunday school. But don't even trip, right? Because I know enough at this time, like, bro, I can earn my own ticket, bro. Like, I know what it takes to get one. I can, I can get my ticket. Needs to say I failed at every turn. You know, it was, man, all I got to do is stop cussing so much. I failed. Man, I just won't argue with my parents, you know, like I'd be a good kid. I failed. I won't drink. I won't get drunk. I won't go out and party. I failed. Man, I'll read my Bible so consistent. I failed. I would pray more. I failed. I won't get into any more fights. I was a hothead. I failed. Man, you know what? I'll swallow my pride and be humble. I failed. You know what? To eventually, I was like, you know what? Fine. But I will earn God's love. He will love me as his faithful and favorite servant. I failed. And for some time, I really accepted that. I'm just not getting the ticket, man. And I don't deserve one anyway. Please stand if you're able, uh, and let's read this text. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, and taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit on your right hand and on your left in glory. Jesus said, 
you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand or my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those whom it has been prepared. And then the ten heard it. And they began to be indignant at James and John. Bro, that's like the word of, of Mark, indignant. I don't know if y'all been peeping that or not. Uh, but anyway, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know, that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for money, for many. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, man, we ask for wisdom in this, Father, as we go through this text. Ask that you convict those who need to be convicted. Encourage those who need to be encouraged. Draw near to those who have drawn far from you, Father. Give a hug to those who feel lonely and lost. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. You may be seated. All right, let's dive in. Starting off with 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him. All right? So, out the gate, what's really a crucial point here is Jesus is walking in front of them purposefully. Like intently. Every step he's taking... He's trying to hurry up and get to where he needs to go, right? One commentary says, Jesus himself leading the way, striding ahead purposely as if anxiously to get it over with. Now, I need everyone to, to, to really think about this. Imagine you are with the Messiah, who you believe to be the son of God. During your travels with him, like you've been kicking the one for a while now, like we, we're not just talking about a day or two, we've been talking months Weeks, like a long time, you've been following, your feet hurt, your feet dirty, that's a whole nother thing, but you've been following and being with him, right? Now, during your travels with him, you have seen him play in the dirt, drawing in the dirt stick figures, while a mob was asking if a woman should be stoned to death. Like it's not a big deal. The life and death of an individual, right? Pressure was on him, but him taking his time. This is the same Jesus when he heard that his best friend was sick. His boy was sick, about to die, knowing he can heal him like this. Still stayed an extra two days where he was at to let him die. Takes his time. No rush to get anything done in our eyes. And all of a sudden, he's walking with intent, striding purposefully. 
I don't know about y'all, but that'd be startling for your boy. So the 12 at this time are pumped because they know they're going to Jerusalem. We headed this way. This is like the city. They're ready for Jesus to make some changes. They're ready for Jesus to overthrow the Roman Empire, the new kingdom to be established. And others are spooked and scared. One, because the God of the universe is walking among them. Shocking. And two, also, he's rushing. But Jesus got some business to take care of. Let's keep reading. 33. So, saying, Jesus says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. This is, this is one of the most accurate and detailed prophecies of the crucifixion. One commentary says that Jesus, after three prophecies of his suffering and death, this is the most precise because it tells him who he's going to deliver to, you know, the chief priests and the scribes. He's going to be sentenced. He's going to be delivered to the Romans. He's going to be tortured. And they talk about a lot, like the, the, the portion of him being spit on is to emphasize the disrespect of our savior. Like a lot of people read this and they think like, okay, he's going to be talked about. Okay. He's going to be flawed. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be killed. Yes. We, we, we know that his suffering is coming, but also the disrespect of spitting on him. That poem that was read earlier of, of how we did that. He's doing this for people who spit on him. But so tortured, killed, and then the resurrection. He's given them the official game plan, play by play. 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit on your right hand and one on your left in glory. Now, Jesus just told them the game plan, right? Jesus told them how, how all this is about to go down. And this isn't the first time Jesus kind of gave people insight to how all this is about to go, right? And I don't know if you guys noticed, but every single time one of the disciples tried to use this as a little quick come up, one of the disciples completely missed the point of everything he said. These are the same disciples. He says this, and they're still thinking, bro, he's coming down. Like, he's, we're about to go to Jerusalem with swords and shields, and we're about to really overthrow, overthrow the Roman Empire. I mean, this, these are the same disciples. Jesus says this, and Peter cuts off my man's ear. 
Like this is still their focus after Jesus is constantly telling them this is what's going to happen. So again, they completely misunderstand the magnitude of what Jesus said. James and John, Zebedee's boys, thought this was the perfect time again for a come up. And they were because they were headed to Jerusalem. In other words, uh, for people to understand, come up. Uh, this is an ideal time to make an attempt for a holy status boost. They really tried to secure a yes to as well uh, before even asking the question. Hey, I, can you do this for me? Just say yes before I even tell you what it is. Shocker. Let's keep reading. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? So Jesus being Jesus tried to let them know the hubris uh, or extreme pride uh, of, their, of their ask. Even how they tried to manipulate a yes out of them. And he asked them one of the heaviest questions you can imagine at that time. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Y'all know that cup where later while he's being crucified, Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. That cup. But nevertheless, not what you will. Not what I will, but what you will be done. That cup, the cup of suffering, that cup that he drinks to take on the sins of the world, that cup that he takes on the curse of all sin. The curse and curses the man who hungs up on a tree. Now feels separation from the father for the first time for crimes he did not commit. That cup that was made for us. Then to be baptized by death. We say every service to be sent down into hell. But because he is our savior, he rose on the third day and is sitting in heaven. Can you do that is what he asked. (laughs) Better yet. For people here. Instead of. The cup containing sufferings and the sins of the whole world. Can you drink your own cup? Wait, let's, let's make this a little more raw. Can you drink your cup from this morning? When that person cut you off in traffic, when you were running behind, when your kids weren't eating their breakfast fast enough, Or getting dressed fast enough. Can you drink that cup? I'm telling you right now, I can't. Jesus could and he did. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to give you that golden ticket. And don't worry. I paid for it. Let's keep reading. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, 
The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. Needs to say, they said they can. And Jesus says, fine. You're going to drink that cup. You're going to get baptized. Side note with all this, like Jesus is so patient. Like, I know they was getting on his nerves. No, no fans or buts about that. And again, we've been walking all this way. We're almost at our destination. He finally tells you that he's about to suffer. He's about to die. And now you, are you thinking about is you right now? What? Like it's, parents, it, this is equivalent to you're, uh, you're just cleaning up your toddler who just destroyed the, clean up after your toddler who just destroyed the living room. Your newborn or your baby just had a complete blowout. We've all, look, somebody, I heard that, mm, we've been there. <laughs> and now you're in the middle of cleaning after the toddler and you're cleaning up this blowout. Toddler's throwing a fit, going crazy uh, because he, didn't, he or she didn't want to eat what you made them for lunch. So now you're stressed out. You're, all the noise, all the overstimulation is just overwhelming you. Then your toddler says, Mommy or Daddy, can I have a snack? <laughs> or, or, for those who do not have kids, right? You just got done pulling a, pulling a double. Long day. And, man, you about to clock out. You know you got them leftovers in the fridge, ready to heat it up. You can already taste it. Man, you about to hit the door, then your manager hits you with one of these. Oh, before you leave, can you just... (laughs) Again, (laughs) we've all been there. So, Jesus, so patient, right? And he still gives them what they say they can handle, right? But the real glory that they're really seeking in this, drinking this cup, the real glory that they're seeking in this baptism, the desire to lord it over others, bro, that's not mine to give. All that, the sin on my right and left, that's that's who it's for. It's for who it's for. Now, spoiler alert. They do, in fact, suffer how Jesus suffered. They do, in fact, drink a cup. They are baptized. But it was absolutely fruitless. No atonement was the result of it. No restoration. Uh, No real purpose. Just torture, humiliation, and death. An insufficient sacrifice that had no weight because, one, the debt was already paid. And two, they were nowhere near perfect. Worthless, pointless torture and death. No atonement, 
no restoration. In other words, there is no ticket that can never be made by man, that can be bought, that can be earned, that will be sufficient, as complete, as perfect, as purposeful, as fulfilling as the ticket that Jesus can give you. Romans 3.10 tells us, there is now no one righteous. No one righteous. Can everyone say no one righteous? No one. one more time. No one righteous. So we all need Jesus' sacrifice because we can't do it. Let's keep reading. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. This... uh, this reminds me of any group of dudes, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, you put a group of dudes together, man. We, we all going to get really competitive no matter what it's over. Uh, man, we can, on who can throw the rock the farthest, who's the strongest, who's the fastest, who got the best sports team, best NFL team, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and then also, like, man, what's better, Android, iPhone, iPhone. Um, and then I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the word. Uh, and then, and then, uh, even down to like, which, which Pokemon is better for the kids It's Charmander. No offense, but, um, but there's like a inherent desire to like dominate over each other. Like it's, it's, it's so weird, bro. Um, and I'm only, I, I can just speak as a man, um, I'm not, I'm not going to speak for y'all. I feel like they just expect to tell you how y'all feel. Um, but I'm going to tell you how it is in my, in my group of dudes. Um, but, but with that, like, there's definitely some variances for sure. Uh, I tend to be on the extreme side of that. If you can't tell, I can be really petty. Um, but God working on my heart. Um, but one of, the, one of the commentaries says, too, that the ten were jealous and fearful that they might secure some advantage over them. Like, that's where the, the indignant feeling came from. Like, and I, like, when I first read it, I'm like, ah, man, they mad because they completely missed what Jesus said earlier. Like, bro, he, he's talking about how our, the, our leader is about to die and suffer. Like, and y'all talking about yourselves? Yeah, of course they'd be mad about that. But that's definitely not the case. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to say what he had to say to the rest of them. So let's keep reading about that. And Jesus called to them and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And the great ones exercise authority over them. You know Y'all are begging me to overthrow this Roman Empire who's treating y'all like crap, right? You know 
the Gentile leaders that y'all say need to change because they don't know how to lead well are, are doing what, what y'all saying y'all want to do and where y'all heart's at, right? Like, you know, Jesus is telling me, you know, it's, it's crazy. The rulers of the Gentile have those same desires to have authority and dominate one another. So then Jesus hit him with this, this, this line right here in 43. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. That ain't how you going to act. That's how my mama used to talk to me. <laughs> you know, that ain't how we do this here. And this is also not how you will be seen as great. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. This is, this is also an example of, of Jesus' great leadership in knowing his people. He knows that their hearts, they, they want to be seen as great. They want to be seen as, as, uh, as leaders. So he says, because he knows his people and knows how to speak life into sinful pride, you want to be seen as a great follower of Jesus, then serve. Be a slave, one of the commentaries says. A household servant and the slave as men whose activities are not directed towards their own interest, but to those of another. In short, put others' needs above your own. Put others' needs of salvation above your convenience. Put other needs of, of my love above your own self-love. Love how I Loved. Jesus tells them, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Serve the Father by living out his will. Serve humanity and teach them how to love. And then give my life for many sacrificial love. He tells them this plainly, also in the great commandments. One. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. Then he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Then Paul later tells us, therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, a living sacrifice. Can we say living sacrifice? Living sacrifice. One more time, living sacrifice. living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Jesus is telling them, I'm giving you this ticket. 
It's paid for. It's paid for. I'm giving you this ticket. And this ticket comes with a calling. So, more about my story earlier. Needless to say, um, I never earned God's love. I never earned a ticket. But, but God, you know, as, as I grew up saying, but God. Uh, but uh, man, thank God for a pastor from Philly, crazy, uh, who helped me realize that, bro, Jesus is giving out free tickets, you know? And this ticket is way more beautiful, way more perfect, vibrant, feels better in your hand. The neat thing I made when I was a child, and the thing is what he did with this ticket, he, he wrapped it around my heart, and it's held together by the Holy Spirit. So I can't lose this ticket. I can't put it in my pocket. I can't, I can't get rid of it. It is there. And now that it's done, the calling is to go love like Jesus. Love God like Jesus. Love my neighbor like Jesus. Live my life to be pleasing to God like Jesus. Not to earn merit, not to earn status, not to earn my salvation, but because I love him, because he first loved me when I was broken. He loved me when I was torn. He loved me when I failed. He loved me when I was in my mother's womb. And because he saved me. All this kind of sounds, sounds kind of familiar, right? Like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you know, who he loved since the beginning of time, so that who should ever believe in him or love him shall not perish but have everlasting life in love with him. Here is your free ticket. Here is your salvation. This could all be wrapped up in the big idea of salvation is free and it comes with a calling. And I want to emphasize the calling or the call to action for love is not, again, how you receive salvation. That is freely given to those who believe in Jesus. But the Bible also tells us in James, faith without works is dead. I'm going to say this one more time. Faith without works is dead. We're called to be the salt of the earth, the light in the darkness. Not bland and not contributing to the abyss. Now, to my ticket holders. Some of you accepted Jesus um, and he gave you a ticket. 
you're still holding on to your homemade ticket stub and showing it off. You know, rather to appear holier than others, self-righteous, like your sin is lesser than other people's sin. Or your ticket stub is holding on to your past sins that you're constantly trying to make up for. That guilt you are holding on to. That Jesus has already forgave you for. To those I say, Jesus is enough. You are no greater and you are no lesser. Let go of that stuff. No, not one is righteous. We all go through the ebbs and flows of, you know, either condemning others for their sins um, as if we're sinless, especially when others sin against us. I struggle with that too. And we also go through seasons of minimizing what Jesus' sacrifice was. It still is. That Jesus Minimizing that Jesus dying on the cross, claiming that we're too broken. We've done too much. There is no way back from this. Some of these seasons can be really short. Some feel like a lifetime of struggles. Again, let go of that stub. Everyone say, let go. Let go. Jesus is enough. You are no greater, no lesser than anyone. He loves you. He loves you. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. By his blood, you have been redeemed. All right? Some of you are not sure if you made up your own ticket. Or if Jesus really gave you a ticket and you just don't feel secure. For those I say, talk to one of the pastors here. Talk to your CG leader. Talk to your fighter group leader. Fighter group. Uh, Frontier is a place where you don't have to walk and talk through that all alone. Again, he loves you. He loves you. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. By his blood, you have been redeemed. I have some application for those two groups as well, or callings. Um, One, read your Bible. Read your Bible. You cannot love a God you do not know. Just listening to worship music, coming to church is not enough. It is not enough. You want more security in your relationship with God? Read about him. 
Theology books are great. I love them. It's, uh, it's honestly, I'm not really a big reader. It's the only book I'm, I'm willing to sit down and read, you know. Uh, they're awesome, but they're not equal to the Bible. I saw a post the other day. Um, can't look for it next week, obviously, but uh, saw a post on social media. And uh, the woman said something crazy, man. Uh, it, hit, it hit real different. Um, or in other words, it, it hit me right in the feels. I know everybody know what that means. Um, so she said, if you drink water equivalent to the amount of time you spend in the word, would you be in the hospital for dehydration? Man, so how many of y'all are dehydrated right now? That's just the first application. I got one more. Next one. Love your neighbor. If you don't know how, pray and ask God how you can see and love and serve others. I promise you he will reveal it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's probably that thing that you're avoiding. Or when I said you kind of felt convicted about. This includes your church, your pastors, your CG leaders, your church leaders. They have an even greater calling than just us. And that comes with a lot. Because I know I'm a lot. So I'm sure you, some of y'all probably a lot out there too. So be mindful. Love them. Serve them. Serve the place you call home. Serve your father's home. Now what would our city look like if we did that? What would our relationship with God be like if we did that? What would our church be like? I can assure you uh, we would be overwhelmed with volunteers. Our leaders who care for us deeply would also be deeply cared for. And there would be an abundance of discipling, more plants, and more growth. Last thing, and I'm, I'm out your hair. I know I've been up here for a hot minute. There are some of you out here who feel as though you don't even have a ticket. Please put your faith in Jesus. I know how lonely and dark the world is. Not can be, not at times. The world is. God will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. A joy that can never be taken away. A fulfillment that can cause a bottomless pit to overflow. He will always be with you. 
my application for you today. Accept Jesus. Here's a church full of people who will love you through that. Finally, he loves you. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And for you, by his blood, there is redemption. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the ticket. Thank you for the relationship. Thank you for community. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the light. Father, you know everyone's heart in this congregation right now. Continue to mold them. Continue to give us wills that echo yours, Father. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your sacrifice. And thank you for your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.